This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome to 2020. You made it. You made it all the way here. You made it to a new decade. And thank you so much for being with us for the first podcast of the year. So we're going to follow the same theme that we did last year. So if you've been with us with the podcast for any length of time, you can go all the way back to episode 56 of this podcast. It was called the top 15 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2019. Yes, all the way back a year ago, I gave you guys some tips as to what you think would be a good idea for you, uh, or just like really good operating things for you in terms of what you're going to do for that year. Because there's a lot of things to consider. There's a lot of things to get good at. There's a lot of things that you could potentially do and focus on. I know I'd be thinking to yourself, gosh, 15 things. But if you go back to that podcast, I talked about, well, hey, you're, you're probably not going to be able to crush it in all of these areas, but maybe you can pull out a few that you really need to work on. Some of these you're maybe already good at as, uh, as we may see going forward. But for those of you that didn't listen to that podcast, one, I would obviously expect you to go back and listen to episode 56 of this podcast to get it in its full glory. But I will go ahead and give you the list here. So I did 15 down to one. We'll do it a little bit differently this year. We'll get into that here in just a second. But number 15 last year was don't don't pretend you know about something that you don't. So maybe someone says, Hey, do you know how to do this? Or do you know this person? And you pretend like you do when you do that, not only are you lying, you're kind of missing out on an opportunity to potentially learn something. Number 14 was don't cancel on people last minute. So that's kind of a bugaboo with, with what I do on, on a day to day. If you cancel on somebody two minutes before you're supposed to be there, they can't replace that appointment or that meeting or that time that they were going to be spending with you. So don't be that person that canceled last minute, especially when it's not for an emergency. Number 13 was don't let sports ruin your night. And I did, uh, a lot more on that. I did an episode called the altar of sports that you can go back and listen to that. I think it was a couple of months ago, but basically a lot of guys and me, especially uh, growing up, I haven't been doing this for the last several years, but I would let sports ruin my night. I would let the results of an Oklahoma city thunder game or a St. Louis Cardinals game, or just a college football game ruin my night and maybe even ruin part of my week. Right. And so it's don't let sports ruin your night. If you can control it. Number 12 was don't be late. Again, if you're a late person, if you're constantly late, you're not just someone that's late. You're actually a really, really rude person. So there's no such thing as insert your last name time, right? Someone's like, oh, I'm on, you know, uh, Smith time or I'm on whatever time. That's not a real thing. You're either on time or you're late. Number 11 was stop looking at porn and jerking off. I don't know that I need to necessarily go into much more explanation on that one. Number 10, don't just think about it, do slash say it. So there's a lot of times you get a a positive comment in your head, uh, maybe about something that your wife's done and you want to say thank you, but maybe you just get a little busy or there's a friend of yours that is doing something really good in business and you want to kind of give them some accolades or, you know, reach out to them and you just don't do it. That's just your encouragement to actually do that. Number nine was don't assume that your goals will achieve themselves. Again, this is that time of year where everyone's like, new year, new me, here's my goals. I'm going to focus on me and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. The thing about it is most people just, even if they write down goals, which a lot of guys don't, which we've talked about that as well, most of the guys that write down goals, they just don't even revisit them. They don't come back to them at all, which is really interesting. So the assumption that if you write down the goals that they will all of a sudden take care of themselves is a little bit silly. Number eight is take male community seriously. And I don't want to take too much of my thunder because we are going to talk about that a lot more here in this podcast. Number seven is train jujitsu. So you hear me talk about jujitsu all the time. I'm imploring you to train that. Number six was read. That's it. Just read. Most of you guys don't read. We'll certainly talk more about that here in just a second but just reading. That was a big thing for last year. Number five is stop being a dick to your wife. For those of you that are married, I know a lot of guys that you don't even intend to be that way to your wife, but it's just something that you do. So it's focusing on stopping doing that. Number four is prioritize your wife over your kids. 
Again, prioritize your wife over your kids. A lot of you guys, whenever you get kids in the picture, everything focuses around them. Even after they can kind of take care of themselves, you're, you're putting so much focus into the kids. And then, you know, 20, 25 years down the road, when you're done raising your kids, you realize, oh, there's this roommate person that I've been coexisting with and not focusing on. So prioritizing your wife over your kids is really important. Number three, be precise in your speech. So there are words that you should not really use in normal vernacular. You shouldn't say things like, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I should be able to do that, or I might be able to make it, or that could work out. When you say things like that, I don't know what you mean. So if I say, hey, are you going to be at my house at 10 o'clock? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I should be there. So are you coming? Should, should I expect you at my house? It's one of those deals. Number two, don't ignore your body. Too many guys are ignoring their bodies. They're not taking care of themselves. They're not sleeping. They're not exercising. They're not dieting. So that's obviously a big one. And the last one was get in the Bible every day. Get in the Bible every single day. Now, here's the thing with that list. And here's the thing with the ones that I'm going to give you for this year is these 15 aren't now null and void right? It's not like, well, you gave me this list of 15, but you're about to give me some more. So what do I do with these other 15? I'm assuming that you guys don't have those other 15 on lock. I'm assuming you guys don't have all of those things figured out. So those are things that you should continue to think about. Now, I know some guys that have actually taken the rules from 2019, the stuff that they should focus on. They typed them up, they printed them out, they put it on their their mirror in the morning when they're getting ready. Some guys have it in their truck, they have it in their notes on their phone. That's all great. I don't care how you remind yourself to do these things, but it is very, very important. But it is 2020. It's a brand new year. It's a brand new decade. And so I've got some other things for you guys to consider. Okay. So I'm going to be giving you the top 12 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2020. So you might be thinking, Kyle, you did 15 last year. You're only doing 12 this year. What's the deal? Are you getting lazy? Here's the thing guys is like, as I thought about these things, I would just write them down. Same thing last year. You know, you basically have a whiteboard as I would think of things that guys would need to focus on. I would just kind of write it down right? And so I didn't want to spend maybe an entire podcast on any one of these individual uh, things, or maybe I would tease it out a little bit more further in the future. But these were just the 12 that, that made the most sense. There were others that came up, but there weren't any that I thought was you know worthy of kind of its own spot on this list, I guess. So uh, it could have been more, it could have been less. I actually had this list at 10 and then I, I figured out kind of an 11th one that made a lot of sense. And then as of yesterday, there was a 12th one that just kind of came out. So this was going to be the top 11 ways, but here we are with the top 12. So one thing that's different about this year's list is that these are in no particular order. Now, last year, you know, you could have put, you know, 15 through two and in kind of any order you wanted. And it's number one that I wanted to make sure was in your brain. These are not in any particular order. These are just in the order as I thought about them. So there's not necessarily anything. There's no meaning to what's number one versus what's number 12. Uh, well, number 12 is the last one that I did think of that I just added recently, but there's really no, no rhyme or reason to the flow of it. So just kind of go with me, but we're going to go into these. These are the top 12 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2020. So let's go into number one, and that is train to the point of complete exhaustion trained to the point of complete exhaustion. So here's the thing. I know a lot of guys that quote unquote work out. They exercise, they train, that's what they do. But these guys can go an entire calendar year. And you might be thinking of yourself here. You can go an entire calendar year and not think to yourself, man, I was, I was absolutely completely exhausted at that point. After that particular workout, after that particular run, after this, after whatever, I literally had to just lay on the ground for two or three minutes just to catch my breath before I could even consider talking to somebody. 
Because the thing that I understand about a lot of guys, so I'm, I'm making an assumption here. I'm making an assumption that the guys that are listening to this podcast are not necessarily struggling with getting in the gym and doing the things that they need to do. I, I'm assuming that's a given. You're an adult at this point. If you're sitting around doing nothing with yourself, there's nothing that I can magically say to you that's going to make you like pop off the couch and be like, hey, I don't want to be fat this year. There's nothing I can say. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. It is what it is. But for a lot of you guys that are training, you're not training hard enough. You're just not. You're doing what it takes to get by. You know, you do your little cycle of lifts or, or you do your, your runs or whatever. And you know what? You, you just never really gone past two miles on a run just because, ah, you know, I just kind of stay at, you know, a nine, 10 minute pace and I just kind of get my two miles in and then I move on with the rest of my day. And guys, that's better than nothing, but it's not a lot. I mean, you're certainly not pushing the limits. You're, you're not making yourself that much better by just going through the motions. And one of the ways that you can do that is if you periodically, not all the time, certainly not all the time, but if you periodically push yourself to the point of complete exhaustion, where you are so out of it, you are so done that you're just like, oh my gosh, I I just don't know if I could have dug down and done much deeper. Then you're kind of reaching the expanses of what your limits are physically. And so for me, when it comes to complete exhaustion, I think about whenever, let's say you've got a group uh, or maybe you do like some circuit training. So you do a minute on these 12 different, you know, exercises or something like that, or whatever the situation may be. I know that for us on Sunday nights, we used to do at our jujitsu class that we would do, um, we would do these, these circuits. It was like 15 different stations and you do these circuits. And the thing was, is, is guys would get tired at the same place at every point in the circuit because they would just kind of dog it. And then they would get to a certain point in the circuit and then they would just kind of like take it easy. That's why I don't really like circuit workouts is because for the most part, people can take it easy whenever the heck they want. They take the first 30 seconds off. They do, you know, 15 seconds kind of hard. And then they basically pretend they're breathing hard for the last 15. And then they just mosey on to the other station. But the thing about it is, is what I would do during all those things is I would try to figure out which station I was tempted to go light on. Cause maybe the station after that was really hard or two stations after that would be hard. Or maybe it was the one right after a hard station or something like that. And I would try to go full bore at the one that I was normally worried about taking it easy because at the end of the workout, it should, you should be completely wiped out and exhausted. And and maybe I'm belaboring the point, but I really want to drive this home. Most of you guys don't train hard enough. And then you look around at some of the guys that are in your class with you or that are in your running group with you or whatever the situation may be. And you're like, man, they're in such better shape. Genetically, there might be a component there, but let's just assume they're outworking you. You're, you're just not doing as much. And you're like, man, that guy's in such good shape. Well, how do you think he got that way? By taking it easy every single time he worked out? Now, again, don't hear me saying something that I'm not. Don't go to complete exhaustion every time. That's one of the biggest reasons why I'm not a huge fan of CrossFit. You should not be working out to failure every single time you work out. You certainly should not be working out to failure doing things like cleans and cleans and jerks and snatch and deadlift ever. You should never do those things to failure. That's so, so stupid, but you should push yourself to complete exhaustion at some point. So the first thing for this year, train to the point of complete exhaustion. All right. Number two, make amends, make amends. So obviously this one, you can kind of take it a bunch of different ways. But for a lot of guys, you've got some drama in your life that has gone unaccounted for and undiscussed and unsolved. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that you just haven't made amends with people. So there are certain people in your life that have maybe taken advantage of you. You have people in your life that have hurt you. You've had people in your life that have done things specifically with the express purpose of hurting you or hurting the people that you love as well. 
and you haven't dealt with that fully yet. These are memories that you haven't fully worked through. These are conversations that you haven't had yet and it's affecting you. And that's the big thing for this year is, you know this to be true. When you leave those things out there in the ether, just kind of hanging around, they don't just stay out there. They come back. And it could be anything. It could be, you know, a message on Facebook. It could be, you know, something that you see in a department store. There's going to be something that reminds you of this person and the hurt that's potentially still there. And the thing is, is I'm not going to spend much time on this one because it's pretty straightforward. As I'm describing this, there were people that probably came to mind for you, right? A family member, an old friend, a college buddy, you know, coworker, something like that. Something that you just kind of, you know, pushed away. I don't need to deal with that. They need to come to me first. They need to be the bigger person. I don't need to do, you know, whatever the situation may be. But in 2020, how about you take care of some of those things? And that doesn't mean, you know, every one of those conversations is going to turn into a lifetime movie or a Hallmark card or something like that. It's just take care of the things that you can take care of. Own the things that you can own. If, if you've done wrong, own the wrong that you've done to other people and try to make amends. Okay. So that's number two for 2020. Make amends. All right. The third way to avoid being a crappy man in 2020 is, okay, train jujitsu. Now guys, I'm, I'm fully aware that I said this back in 2019. I said that for that year, but here's the deal. Training jujitsu is unbelievably important. And I know you probably haven't heard me say that before, or you've heard me say it pretty much every single podcast, but training jujitsu is so unbelievably important, but I'm going to take a slightly different tack than I normally do because I've done entire podcasts, multiple podcasts, just on the subject of jujitsu. I bring it up multiple times on, on episodes of the podcast. It's just something that I talk about a lot. It's something that I'm passionate about. Something that I think has a, a tremendous amount of, of value for people. But I want to specifically address a group of people right now that say something along the lines of, you know what, Kyle, you know, fighting's just not really my thing. Yeah, I just don't really have any interest in in fighting or, or grappling or, you know, being around sweaty guys or blah, 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 or any of those things. I want to address you guys directly. You might be right. You might 100% be right. Jiu-jitsu training, any type of martial arts, like real martial arts, not like Aikido or, you know, karate or any of that nonsense, but like a real martial art. It may not be for you, but do you know that? And I mean, do you, do you really know that and not know that from assumptions, but know that from experience? Do you know it because you spent some time in a jujitsu school and it just wasn't really your thing? Do you know that because you did two years of wrestling in high school and you're like, ah, that's not really my thing. Do you know that because you trained Thai boxing for six months and then you just realized, man, this, this whole getting punched in the head thing is just not really my bag. Do you know that? Because here's the thing, the number of guys that I invite to jujitsu versus the number of guys that actually come and try it. It's like... 25 to 1, 30 to 1, 50 to 1, it's something like that. The number of guys that I talk to just about maybe our Sunday night crew, guys that get together and read books and work out and train very, very basic jujitsu, nothing crazy, no one leaving with a concussion, none of that type of stuff. I don't get a whole lot of people to show up. And most of the people kind of come with the same thing. Oh, that just doesn't sound that interesting to me, or I'm not really into that kind of a thing. But when I ask them if they've ever done something like this before, the answer is almost 100% of the time, no. So here's the thing. The reason why I know that I don't like golf is because I've played a lot of rounds of golf in my life. And finally, one day I evaluated, wait a minute, every single time I've played golf, I've had a bad time and I wish I hadn't gone. 
Every single time I'm around hole number eight, I feel like, holy crap, is there still really this many more holes? How much longer am I going to have to be here to finish this round of golf? How much did I pay for this round of golf? I don't even have a caddy. I'm having to deal with all this stuff on my own. But it's because I had an experience. I had experience with golf, and now I can categorize it as something that I'm just not really that into, right? Now, I can be militant about that, or I can just be whatever about that, but it is what it is. It's in a different category for me, okay? But for those of you that have never tried jujitsu, I'm going to go out on a complete limb here. There's probably a gym in your area. And I've had guys reach out to me, hey, you know, there's this gym that's, you know, close by, but, you know, the, the best guy in there is like a purple belt and it's not really that, you know, it doesn't seem like that great of a class or kind of teaching some bullshit type stuff. But then there's this other class, you know, school that's maybe an hour away and that one's a lot better, but I can't get over there that much. And, you know, th- those are all very interesting questions and I'd love to help you with that. But again, this whole point here is jujitsu is one of those things that taxes you physically and mentally. And there's a lot of guys that don't do a lot of things that take care of both of those things at the same time. Okay. So especially to the guys that are spending all this time coming up with excuses, saying why jujitsu is not for them, why they wouldn't like it, why they blah, blah, blah. Train until you can get to the point where you can tap out somebody that's of equal skill as you, and then evaluate if it's for you at that point. Maybe it's not, but you should find something that's going to tax you physically and mentally. Jiu-jitsu is just the best thing that I've found. All right. Number four, don't let questions go unanswered. Don't let questions go unanswered. So this might seem a little bit, you know, you know, out there or whatever, but let's just kind of make this as, as pragmatic as possible. There's so many questions that guys walk around with that they spend no time working through. So these could be questions of life in general, uh, large philosophical topics, uh, large theological topics. And they have these questions and it comes up with them semi-regularly, but then they don't do anything to dig into it. Okay. Most guys, most adult males are not researchers. And I mean like real researchers, not like, oh, should I use this tight end or that tight end for my fantasy football playoff? Not like that. I mean like real research. Like you're trying to figure out like, okay, I've heard like three people talk about Calvinism recently. I don't know much about that. I'm going to research that a little bit. That doesn't mean you're going to dedicate the next seven years of your life to figuring out the five points of Calvinism or whatever the situation may be, but you're just going to get into the the nuts and bolts of it a little bit to get a, a base level understanding of something. Maybe you're, you know, uh, I think I'm going to talk about the Overton window at different points, uh, maybe coming up this month, a little bit later this month, but that's like a topic that's come up in conversation. And then you kind of look at that as a philosophical topic or as a political topic. And you're like, okay, maybe I should consider that one way or another. A lot of you guys have positions on subject matters. Just think politically or socially, and you have no idea why you think those ways. You have no idea why you think left as opposed to right. You have, you have no freaking clue. It's because you have all these unanswered questions and you've gone unchallenged for so long that you have no idea how exactly you've gotten to the point that you've been able to make a declaration on one side or the other of any particular issue. But the thing about it is, is you shouldn't let these questions go unanswered. If you've got even a deeper question in your heart, like, why am I here? You know, I'm, I'm sitting in a cubicle, you know, all day long and all week long and I get my two weeks off and, you know, I got to ask for permission if, if I need to go to the bathroom and, you know, is this where I want to be? Is, is this, you know, the, the life that I have for myself, is this the best way to provide for my family? That, that's a question that you really need to dig into. Like you don't want to be the, one of those people that just kind of lets that question go. And then you're 25 years down the road into this career that you hate. And all of a sudden you're just stuck. You don't want to be that person. It's because you have to question 
these things. And you have to drill down to the base level of these things and figure out why is it that I'm thinking about this particular subject. For those of you that are believers, which there are a lot of you that listen to this podcast, obviously, and for those of you that are not believers listening to this, we're so happy that you're here listening to this. But for some of you, don't you think God's trying to communicate something to you with these, these longings, these questions that are bubbling up inside your soul or inside your brain? Maybe there's a communication that God's trying to get to you through research in one of those topics. So again, as I said this, and as I'm describing this and teasing out this idea, I'm sure some of those questions came up for you. Jot them down. Jot them down. Text them to a buddy. Leave yourself a note on your phone. Leave a voice memo, whatever the situation may be. But start digging into that. Start figuring out how you feel about that certain topic and then maybe delve into, you know, be your own little personal detective, why you think that's come up for you. Okay. So number four, don't let questions go unanswered. Number five, join start or define your foxhole. Okay. So that's join slash start slash define your foxhole. So again, I talked about this in the last podcast, but the podcast that has gotten kind of the most chatter and the most questions directly to me was the, your foxhole podcast, your foxhole episode 104 of this podcast. And so I'm not going to do a rehash of what a foxhole is, but that's basically, you know, I go into way more detail in episode 104, but it's the guys that are around you that you're doing life with, right? The guys that are pushing you, the guys that you're pushing, the guys that you're learning from, and you know, the iron sharpening, ironing, however you want to say it, right? But so many guys have talked to me philosophically about a foxhole and, you know, well, they've got a potential foxhole here because they live here. And then if they did this, you know, maybe they could get together. And the thing about it is, is I feel like guys are way too much in their heads about the foxhole thing. Okay. Some of you guys have a foxhole that's already established, but you just need to step into it. You need to join it. Okay. Some of you guys kind of already have kind of this milieu of a foxhole going on right now, but you need to define it. You need to define some parameters, you know, kind of what we're going to be about, you know, some of the things that we're going to do as a crew. It doesn't have to be super formalized, but you need to kind of define that a little bit. But, but for some of you, and this is where I've encouraged a lot of you to, to do this, you need to start one. You don't have a strong foxhole. You don't have kind of that natural foxhole, maybe a family foxhole or something like that in your community. And it just kind of is what it is, but you just need to start it. Maybe it's you and two other guys to start, Right. If it's you and just one other guy, that just means you're hanging out, right? But if it's you and two other guys, that's the beginnings of a foxhole. And you kind of figure out the things that you're going to do as a group. Because again, guys like to do things shoulder to shoulder before they come together in a circle to talk about them. But again, this is your year to do that. You've spent the last two, three, 10 years, whatever the situation may be, thinking, oh, it'd be so nice if I had guys that were in my life that I could depend on and all these things. But you've done nothing to cultivate those relationships. Like they, they weren't supposed to just fall out of the sky and directly into your life and affect you in an incredibly important and positive way. So this is your year. Join, start, define your foxhole. This is your year. That's number five. All right, guys, number six, move towards hard discussions. Move towards hard discussions. Okay. There's a lot of guys in my life that avoid hard discussions above everything else. They do not want to have that hard discussion. They do not want to have the fact that they're not in as good a shape as they should be challenged. They do not want to have that discussion about how they're looking at the waitress in the restaurant. They do not want to have that discussion about how they're parenting their kids. They do not want to have that discussion 
you know, with anything. Maybe there's a family member that is doing something wrong. Maybe there's a good friend in their life that is literally ruining their marriage on a daily basis. But, ah, you know what? That's his life. And I don't really, I don't really want to pry. And I don't really want to get into that situation. So many guys are avoiding these hard discussions. You need to embrace it and move towards them. So let's take that scenario that I just made up off the top of my head. So you've got a, you've got a buddy that is destroying his marriage. Maybe he's cheating on his wife. Maybe he's got an emotional affair going on with a coworker. Maybe he's, you know, he's hiding money. Maybe whatever situation, you know, think of ways that marriages get ruined in 2020. Okay. And you are in a perfect position to intercede. This guy, this guy respects you. This guy loves you. This guy, you know, thinks highly of you. And if you were to come to him and talk to him in a very serious way about the the decisions that he's making, he would listen, but you don't do it. You don't do it because it's weird or because it's awkward or because you're busy or you, cause you're afraid he's going to get mad. Maybe he's going to blast you in the face. Like whatever the situation may be, the people that you're, you're not helping in that situation are the two most important people in that situation, which is him, him and his spouse. Take yourself out of the equation because you don't technically matter because when you're trying to get into somebody's life and improve them and help them, it's not about you. It's about them. So why wouldn't you have the discussion? And guys, here's the thing is these things aren't fun. They may have a positive outcome in the end, but they're certainly not fun. I don't think anyone is expecting you to think that they would be fun, but at the same time, why does that matter? How many things in your life do you do that are just completely not fun? Not fun at all. I mean, so many of you guys have people that you can have a direct effect on, but you just don't want to do anything about it. Okay. There, there's a, a show that that's, I think it's on television still, but I see it on YouTube, but it's, what would you do? And it's all these different scenarios where, you know, there's this guy hitting on a waitress, uh, at the, at a bar and he's being real loud about it. Or, or maybe, you know, there's all these different scenarios, but the thing is, is these are actors, right? So, so the, the bartender is an actress and the guy at the bar is an actor and they're just, it's a hidden camera show. They're trying to figure out who's going to stand up and say something. And it's everything from, you know, there's a 13 year old girl at a restaurant by herself and a guy kind of comes by and tries to coax her to leave with them and stuff like that. So there's some serious ones like that. And then there's some other ones that aren't quite as serious, but I'm always amazed by the people that don't say anything because they bring the cameras out and talk to those people as well. Like, Hey, this was going on and and you weren't really saying anything. What's the deal. And you hear these people like, Oh, you know, that's not my business. And there's, there's nothing I could have done. And you know, if it escalated, I, I wasn't prepared for that and all that. It's like, do you want to be that guy? Do you want to be the dopey guy at the end of the bar that's like, oh, I didn't want to intercede because it could have hurt my feelings or something like that. You don't want to be that person. You want to be the person that goes towards these hard discussions. Now, you don't need to go in there like a rhinoceros and just like try to destroy everything on your way in. But at the same time, using tact and using self-control, go towards these discussions. It's good for you and it's good for those around you. So focus on that this year. That's number six, move towards hard discussions. All right, guys, we're halfway. Now we're moving on to number seven. We only got six left. So here we go. Number seven, operate as if goals are important operate as if goals are important. So the overwhelming majority of guys, including the ones listening to this podcast, do not do any goal setting whatsoever. They do not write goals down. They do not discuss those goals with other people. It's just not something that they've done. And guess what? That's the entire population. It's not like it's all of a sudden different with women. Okay. People just don't write down goals. Adults, teenagers, kids, they just don't operate with goals in mind. 
And I think there's two reasons for that. One, one is that most people just inherently think that goals aren't important. They don't really matter. And two, it's that people are just really, really lazy. And in order for them to get goals on paper, they may have to carve out an hour. Oh, I know an entire hour a year to write those things down, to think through them and put them on paper. Like I got my goals sitting right here in front of me, right here in my studio. That's the paper. Those are my goals for this year, right? They're right here written down, ready to go. Okay. But the thing is, is the reason why most people aren't doing it is because they don't operate like it's important. They're lazy for sure, but they just don't think it's that important because if it was that important, wouldn't most of you do it? And I know I I would like to think I'm preaching to the choir here because most of you know that dieting and exercise is important, but you don't do that. Most of you think that reading is important, but you don't do that either. But it's kind of one of those things that if you operated as if goals were important, it would be amazing how much better your business would be this year. It would be incredible how much more intimate your relationship with your wife would be this year. It would be astonishing how much closer you would get to understanding what God's trying to communicate to you with your life through scripture. It would absolutely blow you away. But you don't do that because you don't think goals are important. So this year, I want you to trick yourself. Operate as if they are. Because here's the thing, if you think goals are important, if you operate as if they're important, you got to write them down. You got to kind of figure that out. But if you don't do that, you're just going to have another year kind of like last year. And maybe you're, maybe you're crushing it. Maybe you're doing okay. But all of the statistical data that we have on people that set goals and it comes, when it comes to them being able to accomplish things, right? To accomplish things in their family and their businesses and their personal lives, whatever the situation may be, it goes up substantially if they're a goal setter. Because when you have goals, there's a lot of ways to do that. And this isn't a goal setting podcast. I've done that already. I think that was episode two or three of this podcast. Go back and listen to that. But at the same time, if you operate as if they're important, you're going to have better outcomes and it's almost guaranteed. So do that this year. Number seven, operate as if goals are important. Number eight, learn how to fix it. Learn how to fix it. So here's the thing. Some of you guys out there, you can just kind of skip over this one because you already know how to fix it. And for the most part, I'm talking about stuff that breaks, okay? Whether that be a car, whether that be a bicycle, whether that be the sink, whether that be the toilet, whether that be the roof, when things break, most of us don't fix it anymore. Maybe you grew up in an environment where dad fixed everything or grandpa came over and helped you fix it or whatever the situation may be, but we just don't really do that very much anymore. We're in a replace it culture, right? Now, there are certain things in life that when they break, they were just meant to break. You're going to have to spend way too much time and buy way too many tools to fix that thing that it can only that, you know, you can just buy a new one for $20 on Amazon. But the thing about it is when you learn how to fix something, you get at a level of accomplishment and a sense of accomplishment. When you get to the other side, I've got a buddy who's got an old truck that he works on. Right. And the thing about it is, is he's got enough money to go buy a new truck, but that's not the point. He's got an old truck that he's working on, that he's figuring out, and he, he's he's got these interesting relationships with different people in his life that know more than he does on that particular machine or that part of the machine. And so they'll come over and kind of help him. And, you know, he'll go spend $20 on a part at AutoZone as opposed to spending $500 to have someone else fix it. And he gets this sense of accomplishment, but also he's exercising his brain because he's having to problem solve and trying to figure out, oh crap, I thought I had the right tool for this, but now I don't really got that. And maybe I got to go do this. And guys, this is one of those suggestions that has nothing to do with time value of money. You know, I know some of you guys are like, well, if I could pay someone to fix it for this much and I could save myself this much time, I make a 
approximately this much per hour. That's not the calculus I'm working with right now. I'm talking simply about challenging yourself mentally, getting yourself past the hump of taking care of an issue because it's going to have dividends for you in all other areas of life. Because a lot of you guys don't want to fix it, even if it's simple, because you just don't really want to spend the time. You don't, you don't want to tax yourself mentally. And think about how that goes into relationships. You have a lot of people, this kind of goes back to earlier, whenever you're not wanting to get into those hard discussions, because you don't really want to fix it. It's going to take too much effort. It, you know, it's going to be a pound of flesh and you just don't really know if you got that in you, right? One of those situations. But that's something I would like to encourage you to do for this year in 2020. And that is learn how to fix it. All right, guys, number nine, assume your point of view is incorrect. Assume your point of view is incorrect. Okay. So I'm the type of guy that I like to have debates with people. Now I want these debates to be cordial. I want them to be positive. I want everybody to leave that conversation feeling like they've been heard and also feeling like they have some things they need to chew on themselves. But one of the things that I found is most helpful, especially on a topic like abortion, right? One that I have such black and white views on, and I've done entire episodes about that subject matter before, and and I've kind of helped a lot of you guys, you know, figure out your thoughts around those issues so that you can have more substantive discussions about abortion. But when you think about something like that, if you put yourself in the mindset that, what if my point of view was wrong? I'm going to assume that my point of view on this important issue or topic is incorrect. When you do that, that's an old speech and debate trick where you have to argue the other side. And when you argue the other side, even if you vehemently disagree with that other side, you will instinctively and inherently find holes in your original point of view. When you find those holes in your original point of view, in order to keep your original point of view, you've got to fill those holes with something an answer, a research of some kind, you know, some sort of logic, you've got to fill those holes because they can't be left, you know, unfilled. The the ship will eventually sink, right? But for a lot of you guys, you have these very, very strong opinions on things. And again, as I've talked about earlier, you don't really even know why, but you've never assumed that you might be wrong. I mean, I've said this to you guys before, hopefully you've used this, but sometimes when I go into potentially difficult conversations with people where it's very clearly and definably so that they are wrong, their point of view is wrong, right? Like they're just incorrect. I ask them, if you were wrong, would you want to know? And their response to me, again, I've said this before, but their response to me gives me a really good idea as to whether or not I should engage in that conversation. Because if they're, if I ask them, you know, would, if you were wrong, would you want to know if they're like, well, I'm not wrong. And you're, you're just assuming that I'm wrong. And who are you to say and blah, blah. That's a great time to change the subject and move on with your life, right? Just move on. But if you say to somebody, Hey, if you were wrong about that, would you want to know? And if they got a little bit introspective and said, well, you know, I, I just don't really see a way where I could be wrong on that. But you know, if I was shown evidence to the contrary, like I'm, you know, I would want to be intellectually honest and, and make sure that I considered that. Sure. Sure. I'd want to know that I was wrong. You just got a great conversation going right there. Right. But for most of us, we just assume that we're right. That that's why worldviews are so important to so many people is because you just assume they're correct. You, you, you've never fathomed the idea that maybe you were wrong. So spend some time this year assuming that your point of view on important topics is incorrect. And that's number nine. All right, guys, number 10, we got three left. Here we go. Read books that are at least 10% beyond your capability to understand. 
Read books that are at least 10% beyond your capability to understand. Now, here's the thing. Inherent is there is the whole reading part. Because here's the thing. I'm done messing with you guys when it comes to reading. If you want to be a dum-dum and never read a book, be a dum-dum. I don't care. Again, ignore the research. You probably wouldn't read it anyway. But ignore the research that says when you read on a regular basis, it staves off dementia and Alzheimer's and all those things, all those horrific diseases that kill people. Yeah. Forget all that. If you're not going to read, screw you. Who cares? I don't care anymore. But if you are going to be a reader, whether you're a six books a year reader or whatever the situation may be, a hundred books per year, you need to sneak in some material that is going to really push you. So this last year, there were several books that did that for me. There was one called Genesis and the Big Bang, uh, the Gulag Archipelago, you know, different things. But with some of these books, like I don't have like a science-based mind. Like I'm, my brain isn't super wired for science, right? Chemistry, biology, a lot of those things, it just doesn't really blend in with my brain that easily, right? It's just not one of those things that I'm great at. But when I read Genesis and the Big Bang last year, that was a very scientific book. And it was incredibly difficult. And I had to go back and read sections over again. And I had to do everything that I could to just kind of hang on as this train was kind of taken off without me, right? But the situation is here, is I felt like that book made me better. Because we talk about resilience all the time on this podcast and as a part of this ministry, we talk about resilience, resilience, resilience. Part of the thing is, is you have to push yourself beyond your limits, spiritually, mentally, and physically, right? That's how you create resilience. And so for some of the books that you take in, sure, read books that are just flat out entertaining, right? Read some fiction books that are just going to, you know, basically be 300 pages of a you know, really elongated movie, but you know, in your brain or whatever the situation may be, I, I don't really care. But there are some books that are going to challenge you. And I know it's like 10% beyond your capability. How do you, how exactly do you measure that? But you know, when a book's kind of beyond you, when you, you know, when you're not quite smart enough to be reading what you're reading, right? But the only way you get better at those things is by practicing. And so I know I got some readers listening to this. I know a lot of you guys are actually readers because you're, you're smart people and you want to make sure that you're not going to be a dumb, dumb as you get into your older ages. But there are some books on the horizon for you that are not going to be easy. And I've suggested a lot. Go back to the podcast I did. That was two podcasts ago on the best books of that year. I've put some books out there that I'm looking to take down next year. Some of those books are going to be really, really difficult. And what's difficult for me is not going to be difficult for you. I've already told you, fiction's really difficult for me. It's hard for me to keep all the characters straight. It's hard for me to keep all the plot lines straight. I mean, if you miss a paragraph in a fiction book, you might miss the whole boat. You know what I mean? But you don't really get that with other books that are nonfiction because there's not really huge ideas that you're missing in a history book if you miss out on one paragraph because you daydreamed or something like that. But for those of you guys that are going to be reading in 2020, again, number 10, read books that are at least 10% beyond your capability to understand. All right, number 11, try it the hard way. Try it the hard way. So you can apply this in a lot of different ways. And off the top of my head here without notes, uh, there's not really a lot of ways that I've defined, but there, there's one way that normally comes to mind when it comes to thinking about doing things the hard way. So I think about it in terms of hiking, right? So you're in the mountains and you have a defined path that's in front of you right? And let's assume that, you know, you're feeling good. Oxygen's good. You know, you're, you got a full belly, whatever the situation may be, right? Super hydrated. If you just keep going the normal way, it's going to be fine. But you could also go off trail. You could just veer off trail and and just see what's out on the other side. And that's what I want to encourage you guys to do figuratively and, and literally is try it the hard way. If there's an easy way to do a move in jujitsu, 
Try it the hard way. Train it the hard way. Callous your brain to difficult things. Because that's the thing for a lot of you guys, when you quit things, when you stop training in the middle of a training cycle, when you stop reading a book because it just wasn't that fun in the first 50 pages, when you stop that relationship with that person that you thought was really important to you, but it was going to take a little bit more extra, you know, more work to, to hang on to that relationship. A lot of that is because you're just mentally weak. You haven't done things that were that hard. And I've talked about this before as well. Physically, I know people that, you know, they're just so exhausted. You know, we're doing abs and, you know, I'm telling them to get their feet up off the floor. No, they just can't. They just can't get their feet up off the floor. But what's funny is when their feet hit the floor and I say, hey, get your feet up. They can get their feet up every single time. When I say, hey, get in the top of a pushup. We're going to do more pushups. They, they were just laying on the ground a second ago and now they're at the top of a pushup. It's because their bodies are actually capable, but their brains aren't. It's because they haven't spent enough time doing it the hard way. And so I want to encourage you guys to do that this year. As you're training, as you're reading, as you're hiking, as you're working, as you're friending, as you're relationshiping, whatever the situation may be, right? I want you to do it the hard way sometimes. Not every time. Don't be, don't be the weirdo that's trying to go the hard way every time. Literally, if all you need to do to get across the street is walk across the street, I'm not telling you that you need to run out of town and run back in. That's not what I'm saying that you need to do. But there are times when you can see the two roads. The one to the left is easy. The one to the right is treacherous. Don't go out of your way trying to be dangerous and trying to be evil Knievel, but go the hard way and see what it does for you. Because there's, there, again, I, I, I encourage you guys to read hard books and to train jujitsu and, and push yourself to the max and all those different things so that you can build this resilience. Just train hard. Try it the hard way. See what it does for you. That's number 11. All right, guys, that was the list, right? As of 24 hours ago, that was the list for this year. But number 12 just kind of revealed itself to me because of something that happened. So number 12 is this. Train to protect yourself and others trained to protect yourself and others. So for those of you listening to this on time, you know, this past weekend, again, if you're listening to this on time, there was a shooting inside a church in White Settlement, Texas. Okay. So this is a small church. They were taking communion and somebody walked in with a gun with the intention of killing all these people, right? As of, as of where I sit right now, I do not know anything about this person. I don't know what age they were. I don't know if they had any connection to the church. The details that are coming out are awkwardly coming out a little bit slower than normal. But again, this is still fresh. Okay. But this person was stopped by a retired police officer or sheriff's deputy. I think it was a sheriff's deputy retired who engaged this perpetrator immediately killing him. Okay. Now, there were other people inside the church that died. Again, the details are a little bit fuzzy, but this person was ready to go and they took this person out. Okay. And this got me thinking because there are people in my life that are concealed carry people, dangerous people. Like if they don't have a weapon on them, they themselves are a weapon. I got people like that in my life. And then I got other people in my life that are, well, you know, their wives are, aren't really big on guns. They don't really want to have one in the house. And, you know, maybe they're a little bit scared of guns because they weren't raised around them. So, so they didn't want to do all that. You know, even carrying a pocket knife is a little weird to them because their coworker looked at another coworker funny one time when he pulled a knife out of his pocket. And, you know, that person that doesn't really want to train has never really been in a fight. They're afraid that if they get punched in the face that they'll just, you know, shatter into a billion pieces or whatever the situation may be. There's, there's the whole gamut with people that I'm around, but one thing's clear. 
about this exact situation that happened in that church in Texas is that if that man had not engaged this person, there could have been dozens of people killed. Now, for, for those of you that are following this story, one of the coolest things about the clip, because this in this you know communion was being live streamed on the internet or something like that, um, there were seven people. By the time the shooting ended, where you know basically the person that walked in shooting and then the guy that uh, that engaged them at the beginning, seven different people pulled guns out, like out of their waistbands, out of their purses. Seven different people were walking around with guns, making sure that the perp was by himself. Right, so. It was probably going to be a bad day for the perp either way, because Texans are freaking gangsters and I love it. But let's just say nobody in there had a gun that day, except for the perp. Then what? Would have been a lot of victims. You know, maybe there would have been uh, heroic stories of people that charged at the gunman and, you know, tried to grab the gun by the barrel and, and uh, take it away from them. And then two or three more people piled on and they, they got it out of their hands, but maybe not. Maybe we're talking about a massacre today in a small church in a small town in Texas. So the thing is, is in a lot of ways, guys aren't ready to protect themselves and others around them. They're just not ready. There are some of you guys that own guns. You've never shot them. Some of you guys have a jujitsu school five minutes away from your house. You never walked in. Some of you guys have a boxing gym that's right around the corner from work. You've never walked in. Some of you guys have wives that, like I said earlier, are very uncomfortable with, you know, guns or with any of those types of things. Um, My encouragement to you would be to go into her purse, get your testicles and reattach them. Okay. Because you are charged with the protection of your family. So if your spouse is uncomfortable with weapons, well, that's a force multiplier that if you don't have in your house, you might be watching as the rest of your family is killed right in front of you. That's a situation that could actually happen. And here's the other thing, guys, is these church shootings aren't going away, just like school shootings aren't going away. And we don't live in this fictitious world where the government can just come in and take all of our weapons as Americans. That's just not something that's going to happen. So you have to train to protect yourself and others around you. Not learn, because at first I was like, you know, learn how to protect yourself. But so many of you guys have it cognitively, what you would do in that situation, but then you're not trained. So one of the really impressive things about this guy that engaged the shooter in Texas is it was not the world's easiest shot because this guy just walks in and starts shooting. So not only is he doing this by surprise, he's also a moving target at that point. And, you know, uh, from the, from the pictures, this guy's maybe 20, 25 yards away. So it's just not the easiest shot in the world. For those of you that have spent time on the range, sometimes when the paper's not even moving and it's right in front of you, you can't put the bullet where you want it. Right. But this guy had spent time training. He didn't just learn how to shoot a weapon. He didn't just learn how to carry it on his person. He trained with it, obviously, or he just got supremely lucky by hitting this guy. Right. But for those of you, if your heart rate's never been elevated when you've been training with your weapon, like at what point do you think that that's just going to come to you naturally whenever it actually counts? Whenever your heart rate goes from 70 to 160, when somebody walks in and starts shooting, what are you going to do if you don't have any prior experience with that? So it's not just about learning. It's about actually training it. And guys, 
if you're a concealed carry person, and I know I talk to some people that are out of the country and, you know, you, you know, maybe you're in a country that doesn't allow you to have weapons. You know, I'm sorry uh, about that, that, you know, your government doesn't see the need to let you, you know, protect yourself with, uh, with a force multiplier. But for those of you that are in America that have concealed carry or have weapons and go to church, why are you not carrying in church? And I know some people are like, well, it's not really legal to carry my church or there's not really people, uh, you know, the, the church doesn't really want us doing that. They have hired security or whatever the situation may be. But at the church that I go to in Edmond, Oklahoma, I know where the security guard is. He's a fat guy that sits in a, in a desk in one corner of the church. And so if there's a shooting in the sanctuary, he's not close by. And I'm assuming that there are other people there that are security, uh, you know, unmarked or they don't have uniforms on or whatever the situation may be. But at the same time, if something goes on in your Sunday school room or in the bathroom or something like that, you can't just assume security is going to be there in time. By the time security is there to engage the perpetrator, how many people are dead? How much blood's on the ground? You just don't know that. And so, and I'm using a lot of this in the church setting because that's what's fresh on mind, but there's so many guys that just aren't ready. They're not ready mentally or physically to protect themselves or the people around them at home, in public, at work, at church. They're just not ready. Like, why would you want to be that person? Again, it's the concept of whether you're going to be a sheep or a sheepdog for most of you. Most of you guys aren't wolves, right? That are looking to prey on the weak, but the overwhelming majority of people out there, they're sheep. They just go whatever direction the wind's blowing. You know, they don't really want to ruffle any feathers and all those different things. They don't really want to engage with the people. And those are the people that when the bullets start flying, they freeze. And I'm, I'm imploring you, don't be that person. Don't be that person that when you know what hits the fan, they just freeze and they can't function or everyone starts running this way. And so they just run with them because they just assume that's the best thing to do at that moment. And again, I'm not trying to say, Hey, you need to be captain America and always run to the, towards the sound of danger and all those different things. Like that's, that's kind of a different deal for most people. But if somebody is between you and your family's safe exit, what are you going to do? And if you're one of those guys, it's, you know, <laughs> you just assume things are always going to work out. Have you seen enough examples in this world of it not working out for people? Like how many more examples do you need to see of people that are murdered inside their own homes or people that are taken advantage in public in broad daylight for you to be like, yeah, I don't want to be that victim. I don't want to be that person. And I've even heard, and this is going to be real sensitive for some people. One person's like, look, I'm a Christian. I don't need to defend myself. That's what God's there for. Really? So you're not going to protect your home and you're not going to protect yourself and you're not going to physically protect the people around you because God, and, and don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not kind of being heretical and saying that God can't protect you, but we live in a post Genesis three world, a world that is broken. And I would be hyper curious, not that I would wish this upon you or anybody, but I would be hyper curious if you would be holding that same opinion if you were watching somebody defile your wife in front of your eyes, if you were watching somebody harm your child physically right in front of you, are you sure that you would be saying the same thing? Are you, are you absolutely certain you would just say, Hey man, you know what? Do whatever you got to do with her, but you know, God's got it. We're good here. And again, that's not demeaning to God. That's meant to be demeaning towards you because that's ignorant. There's a real world out there and it's not always peaches and cream, right? It's not rainbows and unicorns. And some of you guys need to get real because the world that we're living in is not, is not a soft world and it never has been. Some of you, again, we're, we're kind of in, we've had good times for so long. You've gotten soft. 
and you've stopped thinking about these scenarios where things could go wrong. So I'm not saying you need to be the guy that's, you know, wearing your, your boots and your, your AR-15 over your chest and you're walking around looking for trouble. That's not what I'm saying, but be ready. There were seven people inside that church that were ready that day. One of them acted and it worked out. There were still people that were, there were innocent people that were killed. There were lives that were lost and, and that's unbelievably unfortunate. Just could have been way more, way worse than it was. So a little bit of a somber note as we get here towards the end of the list, but perhaps that's the most important one. For some of you guys, you need to get real about protecting yourself. Train in self-defense, real self-defense, jiu-jitsu, Western boxing, Muay Thai, wrestling, those types of things, but also train with a weapon system, a weapon system that can be on you at multiple times. Some of you carry a belly blade. Some of you carry, carry gun, you know, on your person, appendix or four o'clock or, you know, on your ankle or something like that, but make sure you're training with those things so that you can be effective with them whenever the time comes. All right, guys. So let's go back over the list. The top 12 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2020. Number one, train to the point of complete exhaustion. Number two, make amends. Number three, train jujitsu. Number four, don't let questions go unanswered. Number five, join, start, or define your foxhole. Number six, move towards hard discussions. Number seven, operate as if goals are important. Number eight, learn how to fix it. Number nine, assume your point of view is incorrect. Number 10, read books that are at least 10% beyond your capability to understand. Number 11, try it the hard way. And number 12, train to protect yourself and others. All right, guys, before we let you out of here, we're going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So today, it's just, it's a complete left turn or whatever the situation may be. Jordan Peterson recently was asked about the resurrection during a Q&A. And so it's a short answer here, but I thought he gave a really interesting answer. I know there's a lot of Jordan Peterson fans out there. So I've got the YouTube link for you here so you can enjoy that in your off time. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Google Play and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, the way that this podcast grows is by you leaving five-star reviews. So please take some time leaving us a five-star review and a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the entirety of 2020. So if you want me to come speak to your team, to your men's event, on your podcast, whatever, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. Again, the email is info at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotional on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. The links to all of this are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.